You're listening to episode two of the Journey to Launch podcast, how we saved $85,000. T-minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, Three, two, one. Welcome to episode two of the Journey to Launch podcast. So in this episode, I wanted to discuss how my husband and I saved $85,000 in 12 months. This episode will discuss how I got over my fear of sharing the actual numbers to the world, the type of savings and investing accounts we used, how budgeting and the 457 plan changed the game for us and allowed us to invest even more, and how to create and set up your own savings goals so that you can accomplish what you want. If you go to journeytolaunch.com forward slash episode two, You'll get to see all the show notes and every linked blog post or pertinent information that I mention in the episode. Also, please remember to connect with me on all social media and to review, rate, and subscribe the podcast. Okay, let's begin. Hey, 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 everyone. So I wanted to do an episode on this podcast about how my husband and I saved $85,000 in one year. It's something that we're very proud of. It's something that, you know, it took effort to do. And it's one of the first things that I posted when I started to become more open with my audience, because to be honest, when I started Journey to Launch, you know, I had no intention of really being in the forefront. I mean, I did start the blog to be accountable to myself and to others, but I wasn't, I was afraid or I was a little timid about sharing a lot of personal information because I am um, private for the most part. And so when I first started, I thought I would be able to not share, you know, the personal, personal details, and I'd be able to share just general things. But what I realized was that a lot of people, while they liked what I was doing and what I was talking about, it wasn't that inspirational or helpful for people until I started to share real numbers, until I started to say, okay, this is exactly what I'm doing, and this is how I'm doing it. And so once I shared with my audience that I saved the 85,000, I started to get a lot of interest, obviously, because that's a big number. And, you know, rightfully so, everyone was like, okay, how the hell did you do that? And I want to share that with you because I want to take you through the process of how we even made that shift because when we save that much, it's not like, so we saved the $85,000. That's the most we ever saved and invested together in a year and we did that in 2016 the previous year we didn't even save a quarter of that um so and it's not that we made that much more money in 2016 where it was like okay you made more money so you just saved whatever you made more like we technically made around the same amount 
And we were still able to put our savings and in investing in hyperdrive. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And so let's talk about why, why 85,000. So if you go back and you listen to the intro episode, I mentioned that on my drive uh, to work and listening to podcasts, I got the bright idea that I wanted to retire early. And when I was listening to these podcasts that featured people who retired, the one thing retired early, the one thing that everyone had in common was that if you want to retire early, you have to save your income. You have to save at least half of your income to be able to do that because the more aggressive you save, the quicker you can build your retirement accounts, your investment accounts, you can fast track that. So, you know, I know the recommendation like for most people is, or, or the average person is to save like 15% of their income in the retirement accounts and other accounts. And that's fine if you want to retire at say 60, 65, 70, whatever age you choose in the future. But if you want to retire early or if you want to fast track yourself to wealth, you need to be more aggressive. And now how much you save and how much you need in retirement or when you want to quit all depends on your lifestyle. Because if you are a person that spends, you and your family, if you spend say $100,000 a year, you're going to need way more money in retirement to sustain that lifestyle than a person who maybe, or a family that only spends 25,000 a year or $50,000 a year. So while income is important, it's all about how you currently spend and what you think you're going to spend in the future. So once I realized that we could retire early or I could retire early and we could create a plan, I, need, I needed to figure out, okay, how much would we need to retire? How could we get there? And so I went online and I, I, I looked up a whole bunch of calculators about, okay, looking at how much we spend now as a family and then looking at how much we would need once I quit or once I didn't have a, a steady income from my job coming in, how much money could we live on and be comfortable, right? So we had to sit down. Well, I sat down and I figured out what our current budget is because before this whole process, I really didn't have a budget. I knew I was saving, but it wasn't, again, with intention. So when I realized that I wanted to make this happen, I sat down, created a budget. Because first we needed to know where our money was going. Then we needed to know, all right, where and how can we spend, like how much from the current budget, like what do we need to transfer, what do we need to do differently if we want the retire early event to happen, right? So looked at what we were currently spending and then looked at what we wanted to spend in quote unquote retirement. And from that annual number that I came up with, I was able to figure out how much we needed to have in our investment accounts to retire comfortably or to at least have enough where I would be able to quit my job. And so once I figured that number out um, and I used I used a couple of things, which I'll share in the show, the, the show notes. So I used a couple of calculators just to double check what I needed and a couple of resources online. One of them was there's a general 25 times rule that you can use. And it's based on the fact that you take your annual expenses and you multiply that by 25. That will give you the a general amount of what you would need in your retirement accounts 
to retire comfortably and then withdraw on that money going forward without it running out. I'll post, I wrote a blog post about the 25 times rule. I'll post it in the notes. And so you can figure that out yourself, like what that might be for you. But I would suggest that you don't only rely on that number. That's just a general quick calculation number. So, you know, if you spend $50,000 a year or you spend $100,000 a year, multiply that by 25, that gives you the about amount that you would need to have in your retirement accounts to be comfortable and to be able to draw down on that money going forward without running out. And again, it's explained in the blog post that I'll post and then I'll probably maybe do another episode about that because this is that's a whole nother topic for figuring out how much you need. And I really want to just talk about how we got to the point of saving that much money. So the catalyst was, okay. once I realized that we needed X amount of money to be comfortable and while without me working, I then had to figure out, okay, how do we get there? So I created the goal of. 40 years old because I figured it would give us enough time to accumulate that amount of money in all our accounts. So across our pre-tax retirement accounts, our post-tax retirement accounts, our after-tax investment accounts, and just typical savings accounts. I figured out how much we needed in all those accounts and then figured out how much we needed to do and what we could do each year to get there. And the one thing that I found out not the one thing. I found out a lot of things on this journey. <laughs> but one of the most beneficial things that I found out that allowed us to f- do that was the benefits of a 457 plan. So my husband is a New York City teacher and he has access to different types of retirement accounts. Actually, he has access to two types of retirement accounts. And I work for a company, I have access to one. So as a teacher, he has access to his 403B plan. And he also has access to a 457 plan, which I had no clue existed before um, one of the podcast episodes I had listened to. And it was actually listening to this podcast episode, and I'm going to hopefully get this guest on later on so he can explain. But he was a teacher, him and his wife. So this guest, um, his name's um, Ed, the millionaire educator, he and his wife, both teachers, and they were able to amass a um, million a million dollars just from saving and investing and maxing out their pre-tax retirement accounts. And they retired early. And so learning that, I immediately said to myself, OK, we need X amount of money in six years. Well, at the time, I think I was when I created this retire by 40 goal, I think I was 30. Was I th- 33? or 32 (laughs) I'm getting I I don't know my my memory is just so shot right now but so when I saw that I said to myself okay so how can we like get there and when I realized that this guy utilized pre-tax retirement accounts to really fast track the savings like I I said we have to do something similar like if we want to get there in seven years We need to maximize all types of accounts available to us. And so I created, I started a conversation with my husband that, you know, you have two options available to you that you can invest in. And as an individual, you can invest, this is for everyone, in pre-tax retirement accounts up to $18,000. There are some limitations that I found out recently, but for the most part, you can invest $18,000 in pre-tax retirement accounts, usually per person, right? And so 
when I realized that my husband had access to two pre-tax retirement accounts because he was a New York City teacher, you know, I said, okay, that is just one way in which we can fast track our wealth. And then for me, I had access to a, a retirement account, a 401k plan. And previously, so in 2015, I wasn't even investing the maximum in my uh, 401k account. And it's one of those things I, I didn't even do throughout my 20s. Um, in my early 30s up until just 2016 I was not investing a lot in my 401k account and it was really because I didn't understand that how investing in these accounts really would help me I wasn't really concerned about the future in my 20s I, I didn't care about retirement because I figured I need to make the most of my money now so I wasn't even thinking strategically or long term so after realizing that we could reach our goals by investing in our pre-tax retirement accounts as one vehicle, like to fast track that, we took advantage of that. And so when I talk about that we saved $85,000 in one year, it's not that we have, you know, straight up cash of $85,000 laying in the bank, you know, just collecting whatever interest. We really utilized pre-tax retirement accounts for half of that. So I'm going to break down how much we saved and where we saved it, because I think it's important to note um, that it just wasn't all cash that we did. And so here's the breakdown. So of the $85,000, 18000 of that was in my 401k account. So I set my 401k account to the maximum contribution. And that was $18,000 a year. Then the second goal was to max out my husband's 457 plan and his 403B plan. So we could do that at the same time. And because we started it, we didn't quite start the beginning of the year. So we weren't able to hit the full $36,000. So 18,000 times 18,000 so would be 36. We weren't able to do that, uh, but we did get to 28,600. So that was how much we were able to funnel into his 403B accounts and his 457 plan. So that, you know, that was a majority or like at least half of the 85,000. And the reason why that was so helpful for us also was because we are at the um, level where we need to shield our money from taxes because we, we, we pay a lot in taxes. And so because of that, because of the pre-tax retirement accounts, we were able to put the money in these accounts and not pay taxes right now. Now, when we withdraw the money in retirement, we will have to pay taxes on that. But that's like another strategy, another that that will be a whole new podcast episode to explain that. So the next thing we did or how the money was saved was we funded two backdoor Roth IRAs. So individuals have the right to invest 5,500 into Roth IRAs. And because of our income level, we had to go the backdoor Roth IRA way, which is not as complicated or weird as it sounds. Uh, but it's this is an, a post-tax retirement account. So we already paid taxes on this money, but now we are funding it after taxes. When we withdraw these monies in retirement in what's in our Roth IRA, we won't pay taxes on it. Okay, so the breakdown, so it's $11,000 in our Roth IRAs. Then we set aside money to fund our kids' 529 accounts. So we had set aside like 5800 to do that. And so that also... Um, was where the money went. Next, our next thing was that we invested was index investing. So part of 
creating a diverse portfolio is we didn't want all our money just to be in pre-tax retirement accounts because they're they're more regulated. It's harder to get to that money. It's not to say that you can't get to that money before the standard age of 59, but it takes a little, a little bit more effort and and craftiness to get it right and so when you are creating a plan to retire early or a wealth plan you also you need money that you can actually access without any penalties and so I knew that investing in index funds is something I wanted to do Um, there are a lot of ways to invest and I'll have someone on who can talk about that and help you along with investing because that's an important part of your portfolio But for me, I knew that I didn't want to necessarily at first start with investing in individual stocks. I wanted to invest in funds that I didn't have to monitor. I wanted to basically set it and forget it. And so we we chose index funds as our investment and we um, ended up going with Vanguard with the VTSAX funds. And we saved $15,000 in those funds for 2016. And the other big uh, way that we that that makes up the eighty five thousand dollars is paying additional principal on our primary mortgage. So we only have our primary mortgage as debt and then the investment property as debt in order for me to feel comfortable to leave my job to retire early. We have to get rid of this mortgage debt. Well, I'm not too concerned about the investment property because we do have a tenant that pays and it and his rent pays for the mortgage and then some because what he pays, the overage helps to pay down this mortgage. It's what we use for the additional principal payments on this mortgage. So the goal to pay down this mortgage is very aggressive because, you know, we it's a 30 year mortgage, but we really want to do it in like six, seven years, like that's not easy, obviously. And so we saved or we paid down in 2016, 6,900 to our primary mortgage. And so if you add all that up, that equals the 85,300 that we were able to save slash invest in one year. So how did we do it? Because let's, let's be like real here. For some of you guys, maybe $85,000 is just not on your radar, right? Like this is not to say that you need to, you know, save $100,000, $200,000. It's not about that. It's really saving the best you can in a percentage of your income. The $85,000, $85,000 is about, I would say, a little under half of our um, take-home income. So we our savings rate is nearing to 50%. And so let's just say you don't make as much as we do or you don't have a partner so it's just you by yourself your savings rate might be a little bit lower depending on your situation so don't be intimidated by the $85,000 number I just wanted to basically tell you how we were able to get to that so how did we get to that number we really utilize pre-tax savings and investment vehicles if we didn't have access to the 401k 403b or 457 plans we would not be able to invest um, as much as we did because not only were we able to shield some of the money from the government in taxes, which is why we were able to like save more, but it, it was, it's, it's, it was just a vehicle, these pre-tax retirement accounts. It was just a quote unquote automatic and easier vehicle to be able to save in. Um, 
So then logically, it's like, all right, so if you're telling me, Jamila, (laughs) that you and your husband didn't really make that much more money than you did in 2015, how the hell did you end up being able to save, you know, almost double the amount? And well, my friends, my journeyers, it was through budgeting. So I think I mentioned previously that we didn't really budget our money. You know, we had set goals and we did certain things, but we didn't really budget um, per se every line item. Once I figured out how much we needed and what what it took to get there, we had to start a budget. So we had to figure out how much we needed to invest on a monthly basis and still be able to live. And so we had to go through our expenses line item by line item and look at, okay, did we need this or can we live on less? And so that was very um, important to do because without doing that, we would have no idea where our money was going. And another important thing is we categorized goals, right? So for us, the most important things was taking advantage of the pre-tax retirement accounts. So what that meant was, say we could not do anything else. Say we could not invest in index funds, Roth IRAs, the children's 529 accounts. For us, the most important thing was to funnel money into these pre-tax retirement accounts. So it was almost like at, at any cost, as long as we were able to survive, we were going to try and maximize these accounts, meaning that was the first step. That was priority number one, funneling money into that, into the pre-tax retirement accounts, and then figuring out what to do with what's left. And then when we figured out what was left, we then figured out, okay, how do we break it down further to reach our goals or our savings goals? And sticking to a budget obviously was important. So it's not that we did the budget and we said, oh, that's nice to do. Like we really sat down together and created a budget and did it together at first and then kept up with it. I'd like to use Y and AB for my budgeting to keep up with it every week and month. Um, There are other apps, but I haven't used those yet. But I I tend to refer people to Y and AB because it's what I know and I really do like it. And it's great because it allows you and your partner to both look at the, an updated budget in real time. So sticking to a budget was very key in being able to control our expenses. And I already mentioned we made savings automatic. There is something to be said for removing steps from the process when it comes to saving and investing. Because if you have to manually go in and update anything or you know change a contribution number, it's harder because as humans, We naturally want to procrastinate. We naturally have doubts and that's fine. But really to make any of our goals happen, we had to automate a lot of things. So our 401k, 403b and 457 accounts all automated. We had that come out of our checks before we even saw our checks. And usually those plans allow you to do that. You just contact your HR department and, you know, set your contribution. And that's what we did. So we made sure that that was automatic. When it came to the other areas, we, if it couldn't be automatic, I earmarked money for a certain thing. So because I work in corporate America, I work for a company that gives a bonus. So I knew and I know now that every year when I get my bonus, it's to go towards funding our Roth IRAs. There is no question about it unless there's obviously something big that happens and we need the money. That money is earmarked already for backdoor Roth IRAs, and to hit our savings goals. So you really, really have to earmark in advance if you're going to receive money, what what you're going to use it for. 
And then the other thing that, you know, the reason why we're able to do this is we were willing to be uncomfortable, right? Like this is scary. Like even if your number is not 85,000, even if your number is just 5,000, 10,000, if it's more than what you did in the previous year, you're going to have to make changes, right? Because that's just how it is. You know, the wealth formula, I, I'm gonna, I talk about a lot on my blog and in all my materials, but you have income, you have expenses, and what you do with the difference of that is the gap. It's, what, it's how you create wealth. So if you look at income, you know, you have to either increase your income, you need to make more money. So whether that's making money through your current job, doing overtime, advancing your skills to become a, a a very highly desired employee to be compensated well, income, right? Income is the driving force of the equation. Then you have expenses. Expenses, you want to have your expenses as low as reasonably possible, right? So it's not to say that you have to live like a pauper and not like enjoy life in certain aspects, but you need to cut expenses. Um, If you're looking to do something different with your finances, if you're looking to create a gap, and then what you do with that gap is, is basically how you elevate, how you advance yourself on the journey to financial freedom. And so for us, looking at our income, looking at our expenses, we needed to figure out, all right, how can we increase our income, decrease our expenses so we can use that extra wiggle room to hit our goals? And so while we didn't make that much more money than the previous year, we did take advantage, as we usually do, of all the extra things to make money. So because my husband's a teacher, he was able to, you know, work morning school. Uh, He coaches. Uh, So he coaches like three teams. And I think he took on some, did he take on some summer jobs that year? He might have. But basically, he did everything he could to increase his income how he could and we do that every year he he's always done that so it's been really good and for me I made sure that I was doing my best at my job I worked hard so that I could receive you know a good bonus and then when it came to our expenses we had to look at okay what don't we need what can we cut out you know what can we reduce and so there are moments where it was you know it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable you know to not maybe go out as much as we wanted to. Whereas before, because we love going out to eat, it's one of our vices, especially when it's nice outside. Although kids help deter that, don't they? (laughs) So because our kids are young, they're one in three, it's like, there's no fun in going out anymore with them at least. Like we, you know, taking them places like the zoo is fine. But in terms of like where we want to go, like, (laughs) you know, to a nice little place that has like mojitos and, you know, enjoying the outside weather, it's just, it's not always fun because, you know, if you have toddlers or babies, They just add a whole new dimension. Okay, wait, where was I going with this? (laughs) Oh, I was saying that. So for us, we had to cut back on eating out, you know, whereas we would just maybe, you know, go wherever we wanted and spend however much we spent without thinking of it. It was like, no, we need to put a, a cap on how much we go out to eat or we need to put a cap on groceries. And we had to follow that. And it felt felt a little uncomfortable because if you're working hard, right, if you're working hard as my husband works hard, you know, I work hard. You want to be able to feel like you're enjoying yourself. You don't, it almost feels like, okay, wow, I have to cut back. Like, like where's life? Like, how can I enjoy life? And part of that is knowing what you're working towards. And maybe you're feeling a little uncomfortable because of that. And, but knowing that it's for a good reason. So we had to really, really feel uncomfortable and be okay with being uncomfortable to hit our goals. So honestly, you know, together, being together and doing this was key. 
right? So I know there are a lot of couples who do things separately with their finances and that is totally okay, right? Like there is no one size fits all when it comes to managing your money as a couple. But one of the reasons why we were able to do this and save so much was we did it together. We had a united front. We had similar goals. We had same, you know, family goals, individual goals. We were able to come together and work towards that. And let's just say that things were separate between us where my husband, he decided like kind of like what he wanted to do with his money. And I decided what I wanted to do with my money. It's not to say that we couldn't reach, you know, that $85,000 number, but it would be, it would be harder. So coming together, merging our finances, which was something we had to work on, getting him on board with saving more. That was a process. Like all of that really, really was important to being able to hit this goal. So I'm really proud that we were able to do that. And I tell you this story because I want you to know that no matter where you are with your finances, no matter how much you make, there is a way to optimize them. So you don't need to be making a million dollars. You don't even need to be making a hundred thousand dollars. Now, if you are making a lot of money or that much money, great. You know, you have, you have what some people don't have. You have a, you have a good income. Now it's time to look at your expenses, right? And no matter where you are, it's, you can always look at your expenses and see if there's something that you can do a little differently to create that gap we talked about. And so again, no matter where you are on your journey, there is a way to improve your finances. And I want to encourage you that you can do that. You can do something different. You don't have to follow the status quo and just you know spend money unintentionally and without thought. You can leap forward with your savings and your investments as long as you have a plan, as long as you have a goal that you're working towards. So that's how we saved our $85,000. If you have any questions, and that was 2016, by the way. Uh, So that's last year. And 2017, this year, we set our goal a bit higher at uh, actually $93,000, a little bit more. But I don't know if we're going to make that mark. You know, I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't know that we can do the 93,000 because there are things happening in our life right now that is just, we just might not be able to do it. So for example, our three-year-old is going to be starting Catholic school and that's going to cost money. Um, my, my, the, the little baby, my one-year-old, I, previously I was breastfeeding him. So I breastfed my three-year-old up until, I think, you know, 16 months and we, we were able to cut out formula from with him. And so it saved us a lot of money. Right. But with my younger one, we were, I wasn't able to do it. I, you know, work full time, I commute, it was just harder. And then having the old, my older son is, I just couldn't do it. And so we had to also make room in the budget to buy, to buy formula and formula is not cheap. <laughs> and so just little things like that this year are causing us to maybe not be able to hit that mark. And so we've been we've been checking it, but we don't know that we'll be able to do it. I'll do another like year end, probably check in on where we are with that goal. But it's to say that you can pivot, you can change, you can adjust goals for your current situation. And so that's kind of where we are right now. And so if you have any questions, if you want to comment, you know, comment on the blog, I'll put the blog or the link to this episode in the show notes. Come join me over at the journey to launch Facebook group. We can discuss the episode a bit more. Um, Let me know. Let me know how you feel about it. 
when I share my story, you know, does it inspire you or do you roll your eyes <laughs> and say, okay, Jamila, that's nice that you were able to do that. But like, what about me? Um, like, how do I get there? And that's what this podcast is all about. It's, it's, it's going to be, a, I want to be able to help you figure out how you can get to whatever level you want to that helps you reach your goals, right? This is about the journey to launch and we're on it together. So please, please, please subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Leave your comments. Find me on social media, social um, as, at journeytolaunch.com. I always look forward to hearing from you and to interacting with you. And so thanks so much for joining me.